Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get rattled. He just goes to the sun goes down. Welcome to Food Chats. Food Chat is all about reconnecting you to your food. Hey, we've interviewed farmers, ranchers, chefs, people that produce food, people that cook food. Past episodes of Food Chat can be found at foodchat.us. But today we're going to be talking about hey, Colombian food. Hey, Chef Jackson. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background, and then I'll share a little bit about mine, and then let's introduce our guest. Okay. Well, I've been in the food industry pretty much all my life. I've been eating and drinking forever. <laughs> uh, however, no, I've been in the restaurant business, a personal chef, catering. Uh, I've been a, a teacher in a hospitality programs uh, in various schools. So uh, I'm a foodie from start to finish, and I really represent the end users, the chefs, uh, the consumers, uh, how people interpret recipes, uh, what chefs are doing in the kitchen with the products that the farmers and ranchers are producing. How about you? Well, my experience has been on the other side of the fence, the grow side, the farm side. I grew up on a farm in Colorado, and then how the food gets produced, whether it's vegetables or meat. I've worked in six different um, family-owned USDA food plants in Colorado. So that's my background. But hey, we make a good team. But we're really today here to talk about Colombian food. Tell us about our guests. Well, I'll tell you, today is a very special guest of mine, a former teaching assistant with me, um, has traveled uh, all through uh, Mexico. Well, Paulo, welcome to the show. We're delighted that you're here. And, uh, you know, I could, Paula, I've known you so long, I can do your intro for you. But we're going to let you do it, okay? Okay, well, thank you so much, um, Jackson and Greg, for having me in the show today. And yes, I have known known um, Chef Jackson for a long time. I'm not going to say how long because I would age us both. Um, but yes, uh, I come from Colombia. I am originally born and raised in Colombia and moved to the U.S. 20-some years ago. Um, and I became interested in food. I've been, I grew up cooking. My mother cooked everything from scratch and she made her own soy milk, everything from scratch. And when I moved into the U.S., I actually landed in the kitchen. Um, in Colombia, I was a bank teller, but here I was a cook. So that really got me interested in taking cooking more as a profession and rather than just something I did at home. So I decided to go to culinary school. That's where I met um, Chef Jackson Lamb. And then after that, I've been in food ever since. Very good. Thanks for that uh, brief synopsis of your career. I have a question for you about Colombian food. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of Colombian food that I can find here in, in the Denver area. And we have listeners to Food Chat all over the United States. So urban cities everywhere. Think of a big city. We have listeners there. But, you know, it's kind of hard to find good Colombian food, I think. And, um, you know, I've been down to Bogota. I was down there a few years ago. And uh, Colombian, Colombian food is just list delicious. But wh why do you think we don't find more Colombian food here? Um, I think here in Denver, there are a couple of places that I have seen. Um, I think we have a, a very strong uh, um, Central American 
cuisine representations, a lot of Mexican, Guatemala, Nicaragua. So maybe people tend to lean toward those. And then there's a, you know, thought of like Colombian food might be also tacos, which is actually not. Um, so a lot of others, if I would say, I think Colombian food is more representative of um, things that, like a fusion of foods with a lot of African influence, a lot of indigenous influence, and some um, Spanish influence kind of thrown in there. So you would find a lot of things um, like soups and stews, and perhaps those are less mobile than, say, a taco. Uh, but do we also have more mobile foods like arepas or empanadas, um, empanadas being like, you know, the pocket. And our empanadas are very different from other empanadas. Um, most people will know an empanada from like Argentina that is made with pie dough and baked. And meanwhile, in Colombia, the empanadas are made with corn dough and they are deep fried. So I think that maybe as we start getting a little bit more of uh, Colombian um, people, you know, Colombians coming to Denver and feeling comfortable about our mobile food, those sort of things that we fry and eat um, on the streets, then you will see more of that coming. I hope so. Well, you know, and I would imagine, uh, Paula, that perhaps we don't travel as tourists to Colombia like we travel to Europe, France, Italy, etc. So we don't have ideas to bring back to use in our kitchens. Okay, so um, yeah. So I think you know there's there's a little bit of a setback there. I am blessed that I have a granddaughter that's Colombian. My I have a son that married a gorgeous young lady from Southern California. The whole family is Colombian, and I've really enjoyed my time with them. And through them, I've learned about arepas as well as ajiaco. So those uh -huh. are those are a couple of classic uh, uh, Colombian dishes. Can you explain what those are? For sure. So ajiaco is a really traditional um, soup. Uh, from the, the area of Bogota, sort of the high altiplano or like high areas of the mountains. Bogota is about the same height, the same altitude as Denver. Uh, the only difference is that year round is the same temperature, more or less. We just have like rainy season and not rainy season. And ajiaco is a representation of potato. So um, the Andes, where um, potatoes originated, um, is you know we have so many different potatoes in Colombia, and Ajaco would have four or five different types of potatoes. Some of these potatoes will break down into the soup, make it in a little thicker, and some will um, you know stay firm throughout the cooking. And they have also different textures and slightly different flavors. Um, they also use um, it would have a piece of corn, chicken, and then. Something that's really interesting, capers are added at the end. And I think that's more of that European accent into the soup. But so that's what I said, like there's a lot of that a lot of that fusion of different cultures that just landed in in Colombia and took over the indigenous like a potato and then a soup like a jaco comes about. Excellent. And then an arepa. Yeah, arepas you find it in every table. There is no breakfast without arepa or lunch. Um, and it's just corn dough thicker than a tortilla that you grill. 
And then can you add different ingredients in that? It's kind of like a Colombian taco, isn't it? You can open it, you can, yeah, you can, so here in, in Denver, there's actually a couple of arepa places. One of them is Quiero Arepas, it's been around, and that's actually a Venezuelan, uh, but it's similar. So arepa, thicker uh, white corn that has been cooked and then grounded, you make a dough, um, and then you grill it, you can top it, uh, but because it's thicker, you can actually slice it in the middle and fill it so we can put we eat arepas for dinner, for example, and we stuff them with chicken and beans or for breakfast with eggs that are scrambled with onions and tomatoes. We call that pericos or simply just butter and, and, and cheese, like fresh cheese. Very good. Say, you know, you've mentioned uh, in ajiaco and in arepas, uh, chicken. What other proteins are we finding in Colombian cuisine? You find a lot of pork and beef. Um, but you also find a lot of the of those animals, the end cuts, things that perhaps aren't um, like you wouldn't. You find some of the tenderloin and the loin, some dishes, but those are more like special occasion because they're expensive. And a lot of the traditional foods that we eat every day are sort of foods that were created out of poverty, you could say. So there's a lot of stews of like oxtail and seed and so like the pig seed go into the beans and we have chicharron um, so a lot of those meats come in but as, as like a side dish or a, it, it isn't like here where you just get like a big piece of meat we actually call that like Argentinian style food because it's not our style of food Very at least good. not in Cali where I'm from Is there a seafood influence also? Yes um, we are blessed to be surrounded by oceans. So we have the Pacific and the Atlantic, so a lot of Caribbean um, as well. And wherever you go to those areas, there's tons and tons of seafood. Um, and a lot of it is uh, dressed with coconut. If you're in the Caribbean, lots of coconut, lots of, they have, they actually have spicy food in Colombia, by the way, not a lot of spicy food, uh, unlike, you know, other central, like Central American countries. Um, and then in the Pacific, you would also find there's a very traditional um, hu like hunting of oysters and uh, clams and things like that, that the African descendants, like African diaspora, women will go hunting in the mud. They'll just kind of go and find a lot of these uh, mollusks, uh, you know, like these shells, shell, uh, shellfish out of uh, certain banks and the mangroves. That's very traditional as well delightful mollusks i know that word but yeah. most people don't but that is typically edible bivalves right yes <laughs> <laughs> very good greg what's next on the list well i had just a question about the regionalization of food there you know you talked about uh the soup that you might find in bogota uh, and then the coastal influence on the oceans on both sides uh when I was in Bogota a couple of years ago, I was down there uh, trying to sell Colorado black beans. They, they ate a lot of black beans in Colombia. Not a lot of pinto beans, but a lot of black beans and rice. But I didn't make it to another city that I was told to go to. And I'm probably not going to say the name wrong, but you'll probably recognize. Is it Med Medellin? Um, is the yes. food, I was told, try to get the Medellin. It's just beautiful. Is the food a lot different in Medellin? Medellin, um, lots of beans. So there's actually one national dish that comes from that area, from the what we call the area of um, paisas. And paisas like 
it's just like a type of uh, people who come from the high mountain, Medellin, Manizales kind of area. And it has beans, uh, rice, um, chicharron, ground meat, avocado, egg, plantain. This is one dish. Wow. Uh, and it just comes <laughs> it comes in a platter. And when you, but it's the first time you ever get it, you think, who ordered this for the entire table? It's like, no, that's your, that's your lunch. <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty beautiful, substantial. Um, but yeah, so lots of beans. Um, I think because, uh, you know, this dish comes from that area. In Colombia nowadays, we're starting to see more of the, the um, indigenous foods kind of, reviving or showing up so there's a lot of foods that are actually new to me that i have never seen because we have like national dishes so uh, medellin having the, the bandeja paisa with the beans that i just said bogota with ajiaco different places with something we call sancocho which is like a stew soup thing with those pieces of meat that are really hard so it's hard for you know to like pinpoint what exactly is in Medellin for me as I'm developing new things. But I also know that there's a lot of new, um, a lot of what we call envueltos. And envueltos um, in, in that area especially are um, made out of corn. What is an envuelto? A tamale is an envuelto. So it's like a wrapped mm. um, meal that is they use either plantain leaves or um, corn leaves or things like that, any leaf that is strong, and you put in a, a, a masa with some other added, you know, deliciousness, wrap it up, and then put it in the water or uh, steam it. So I know that that area has also a strong um, history of envueltos. You know, uh, when people think of Colombia, uh, they probably think of the coffee of Colombia. That's probably what most Americans know about Colombia. So when we were down there, we're the tourists, you know, from America, and we wanted to go try all the coffee and all the coffee shops. And you can tell me if this yeah. is true. So I was in a coffee shop down there, and uh, the man that owned it said, uh, you know, the coffee that you think is Colombian coffee that you might be used to drinking in the United States is going to be different than what you're going to find here because we tend to export, you know, the highest quality coffee because that's our business, you know, exporting good high quality coffee beans. But not that the coffee there is bad, but it's just different. Is that true? That is completely true. And um, this, yeah, you get the, the like, just say the AAA of coffee here in the U.S. or, in, you know, in Europe. And we stay with, like, the pasilla, the, the stuff that would not make it out. Um, and it's also uh, toasted a lot lighter. I don't mm. know if you noticed that. Maybe if you went to a, a, a more a newer coffee shop, now we have like trendier coffee shop and they're all called Juan Valdez or things like that. Um, they they're keeping some of that um, coffee that gets exported and you know having uh, selling it to to people who are coming with that you know this is coffee um, coffee land. Um, but we actually tend to uh, toast it much lighter. They need it much, uh, drink it much thinner. So when people who are used to like an Italian espresso drink a, a Colombian coffee the way a Colombian drinks it, it's like, what is this uh, dirty water? <laughs> it's, not, it's very different to what people's minds might be on what coffee is for us um, as Colombians. Excellent. You know, I'm, uh, I love the history of coffee and 
You know, I want to, just for our listeners out there, I want to say that before 1750, there was no coffee in South America. That was all brought over from Africa. So, so in other words, it's not an indigenous product uh, to the Colombian area, is it? You're right, Jackson. It's not. It's one of those um, fruits of the colon- colonial fruits, as we call it. So fruits that were brought. Um, think about the, the, the band, the tropical band in which coffee grows. So it's the same climate as um, Ethiopia, where it's indigenous of. So it came to, uh, first landed in, in Brazil, and then uh, because of the amount of African enslaved um, who were already cultivating cane and other things. So then it's like, well, there's another monocrop we can bring in here and cultivate a lot of it um, to make it as an export. So then they brought to Brazil and eventually moved its way up, you know, from Colombia to Central America. Um, so it continues to be a colonial product in the sense that um, a lot of poverty still um, exists in in the culture, you know, the coffee culture where a lot of the good stuff gets exported. Um, and then the market dictates how much farmers get paid rather than farmers dictating how much they want to get paid. So that ties into fair market trade, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and there's some changes, you know, we're talking about now fair trade of coffee, things like that. Here, actually, in um, the Highlands, there is a new coffee shop called Convivio Cafe, and they do farmer roasted coffee, which goes beyond fair trading as trading, trying to switch the conversation on how coffee should be traded. Very good. You know, Paula, we're under the impression, I think, as Americans, that Colombia is is a coastal country. It's mountainous. And is can you tell us about the agricultural areas? You know, you know, are they growing wheat and are they growing, you know, vegetables and, and all of that? Or is a lot of that imported? We grow. Um, so Colombia has a lot of different. Uh, the topography is just quite different everywhere. We have uh, flat areas, like really flat, like Kansas, um, but with a lot of water. Um, We also have, like you said, very high mountains. The Andes dividing three when they arrive to Colombia. We have it, we call them Cordilleras, and each one of those has really, you know, goes up to really, really high mountains uh, tops. But in, in between, we have a lot of valleys. So, in fact, I come from a valley where we grow um, corn, um, sugarcane, cotton, rice, wheat, and then we have lots and lots of vegetables as well. So because of the topography being so diverse, we can grow a lot of different things. Um, the only Some things we cannot really grow successfully are like grapes or wine because that's just a different type of um, agriculture. But when it comes to food, most of it, you know, is successfully grown as long as we like another thing that we can grow things that need to overwinter because we don't really have a like a zero down winter um and then in the flats flat areas we have huge land pieces of land with with a lot of um livestock leaves as well so fortunately when i was growing up even though you know we are not a rich country i think we have a lot of food that's accessible um because of that it's changing. Unfortunately, we are with opening markets. We are getting a lot of monocrops 
that are coming and taking over subsistence farms that have been very agro-diverse for, you know, many generations. And when a monocrop comes, then that goes away. And then we start having the problems that we see with food. Paula, I have a question about, um, you know, where our listeners might find good Colombian food, or maybe more specifically, how they could learn to make a Colombian dish at home if you're living in, we have listeners in Chicago and New York and Boston and in Phoenix and big cities all over the United States. So if they're interested in trying to cook a Colombian dish at home, what would be something that would be maybe easy to prepare that they could actually get the ingredients for at their local market? So, um, well, the first thing that they can definitely try to make uh, at home is arepas. It's very easy, um, especially because they're same, same, the same way there's like now ma- masa powder that you can take home and make masa with for like um, tamales, for Mexican tamales. There is a, a, a baggie, you know, a product that you can buy. It's a corn product. It's uh, sort of pre-cooked, ground-dried corn. And um, it's called pan, P-A-N, comes in a yellow bag, um, and then you take that. And the good news is that it has the instructions in the back in English and in Spanish, mm-hmm. so you can choose your language. Um, but you take that um, pre-cooked you know, flour that has been dried up, and you add warm water and a little bit of butter until you form a dough that is pliable, but it's not, it's not too dry, it's not too wet. And then you make your, your, you know, your griddle cakes, your cakes with your hands. Um, and then you get a griddle nice and hot, put a little butter, and just put them in there to grill. Um, it's sort of like playing with Play-Doh a little bit. And, and, you know, the first ones will come out a little ugly, but more butter is always better. Nothing is going to, you know, just the more butter you put, the better. And then as you get along, you are going to get better at them. My husband loves to make arepas. He's actually better than I am at making arepas, and he's not from Colombia, so there you go. Um, and then another dish is super easy. We love um, eggs for breakfast. And this dish is um, scallions and tomatoes. So you would say if you're doing four eggs, you would do about... Um, couple of tablespoons of scallions and, and like a tablespoon or so of tomatoes, chopped, chopped uh, tomatoes. And you first saute that in a little oil. Um, and then once it's, it kind of gets um, delicious smelling, you, it just smells really good. Then you add scrambled eggs that you have scrambled and mix it out of some, a little bit of salt. And just like you would make any scrambled eggs, but with onions and tomatoes. And we call that pericos. So pericos con arepas for breakfast will be your next next dish. Excellent. You know, Paula, do we find, you know, we were, we were talking about the, uh, the lack of Colombian restaurants. What about markets? Do we see like a South American market or a Colombian market anywhere in, in our area or elsewhere? In our area, not so much. I mean, there are some places, I think, that um, now more and more of the, of the markets that have Central American foods are carrying more Colombian items. So you would find uh, the plantain leaves to make, you know, our tamales, because our tamales are made with plantain leaves, unlike Mexican tamales, which are made with corn leaves. Um, you may find some of the fruits 
that we use for drinks. So we make juices for lunch every day with fresh fruits that are really hard to find anywhere else. And you can find them frozen, like a frozen um, pulp in some of those uh, markets. Um, as long as you can find rice and beans, lentils, um, and then some of the spices. So the spices, uh, there's a spice mix that we use for everything. Um, so the, one of the names is like trigisal uh, or guisason. Um, you find them also in this market. You'll find the arepa mix as well. Um, what else? Um, and there's some herbs that you cannot find anywhere. It's really hard. So I'm going to... I was thinking about start growing them, but the weather is different. But anyway, I think that the basics are those, and then the sazon, so it's like the flavor. Uh, um, this is going to sound very quirky, but it comes with your hand. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to say <laughs> Well, it uh, lies in sushi. Learn. It's the flavor of the man. That's what they say when uh, they want to roll sushi by hand. It's the same thing with uh, what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Hey, you know, when when Colombians move to the United States, is there any one particular city that tends to draw uh, and have a larger Colombian population? Yes, New York and Miami. Oh, really? Very well. I, I yeah. would imagine those Miami is the port of entry most uh, for most flights. Yes, and um, I think I mean as. as when I was growing up, that was some of sort of the places that everyone everyone talked about, and I think it has to do a lot also with um, what we consume in terms of um, media from the U.S. So a lot of your shows, you know, when I was growing up, everything was either in New York, Miami, Los Angeles, and maybe Chicago. Like there isn't a show in Denver. Right, I understand. So yeah, so then if if I'm if I'm watching U.S. television, which we watch a lot of that, we consume a lot of your um, television there, then those are the cities that come up, and it's like okay, well that seems like a place I could move, especially if you start seeing a lot of things, you know, because we watch them in Spanish also. Um, so the first time I ever heard of Denver uh, when I was coming here, I was like, where is that? I had no idea. Colorado existed. Hey Paula, we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming on Food Chat and it was such a pleasure to talk to you and learn all about Colombian food. So thanks so much. And Thank Paul, you both and yes, go ahead. Before you leave us, can you just give yourself a little promotion about uh, the Sweet Almond blog? <laughs> yes. Um, so I am also a food writer and I write um, a blog and I also write for some publications here in town. So thank you so much, Jackson, for bringing that up. Yeah, so Sweet Almond Blog, uh, for our listeners, just uh, type that in uh, to your Earl and you'll get Paula's blog. Paula, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us today. And it was very educational. We really enjoyed your, uh, your information about your home country. Thank you so much for having me and for bringing Colombian uh, food up to the stage. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.
Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using Food Chat at checkout. Orders over $200 include free shipping. RanchFreshMeats.com Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring The turn from green to that harvest honey Hold one up for the banker downtown They got him on his feet with handshake of money Here's to the farmer's wife That loves him every night Raising a son and a daughter they gather around the table send it up to the father somehow they get closer when times get harder here's to the farmer the views and opinions expressed on klz 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of crawford broadcasting the station management employees associates or advertisers klz 560 is a crawford broadcasting god and country station